0: I want to make sure we was being honest this morning because we got to be. We got to get pretty honest this morning with some of the views and the lessons that we're going to see in a in a chapter like this. I asked last week if anybody had ever heard a sermon on uh, consequences of obedience and not a one of you raised your hand. You know, we, we've had moments where we've had consequences because of disobedience. And that makes a lot of sense. But when you think of the phrase consequences because of disobedience. That's a whole other kind of ballgame. And that, that's where Elijah is going to stay today and, and go on. So if you if you notice, he started in the middle of the chapter. That means you weren't here with us last week. So last week we said, if dependence is the objective, then weakness is an advantage. If us being dependent on God is the main objective, then, then our weaknesses is an advantage. Because that means God's goal is to make us totally dependent on him. And as we look at Elijah and, and we walk through this, this road with Elijah, and I'll quit stepping on that so I don't mess it up. That's one. You said you're going to keep counting. Oh, so that goes, I get distracted very easily. I have a HD, D, what is it? ADHD, but my dad beat it out of me. So it's all right. Oh, I still got a little bit of it, but I've learned to control it, right? So when you go through Elijah and you get the, the stories of Elijah, what you're gonna see is God is doing something in Elijah that he's then gonna do in the world. And I keep pointing it out because a chapter like this today and if you're a note taker, by the way, I apologize, because it's going to be like four of the main points. But then there's going to be a bunch of stuff in between. it. Uh, so none of it's going to really make sense if you're a good note taker, except for here's the reason I got to do it that way. Now, if you like chaos and you're like me, you'll get a lot out of the day. because We're just going to get a whole bunch of lessons, you know, from these verses. But the four main things. So when I say number one, number two, number three, number four, the four main things, that's the big picture. And I got to point those out because God's word about the big picture. All right. Remember, we said last week that everything about Elijah's life is either heading to the mountain or heading from the mountain. So everything we're learning is to get Elijah to Mount Carmel where he can kick Baal's tail and all the other gods' tails and then come on back and, and, you know, start the next next process, the next lessons we're going to get from him. But he had to start this and God had to start this by weakening him, you know, with this drought. So if, if you missed the beginning, there's a drought going on. And in the middle of this drought, God is, is taking Elijah, who caused the drought through his prayer. And took him and put him by the brook and began to feed him with some ravens and, and brought forth that drink from the brook that was there. And then right before where, where we read today, it says that the brook began to dry up. So he's being obedient, but in obedience, he's going to have some problems. And as the brook dries up, we said last week that that is God pushing him and forcing him to move when he needs to move. Uh, so it's not his strength. He's not uh, able to make his own self strong enough to get through this stuff. He's going to have to rely Oh, God. So so here's here's where we got to get honest. When I said there's some honesty this morning and, and anybody ever had their face shaken. I know some of you are like I'm not going to raise my hand because I'm supposed to be spiritual. and I'm in church and i am just take your church mask off for this morning. All right. You have heard me say that before. And sometimes I think you'll think I'm joking, but I'm serious. Like like strip the church mask off. Stop holding your Bible like you are holier than thou. And and, and, and just 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 read your Bible, hear your Bible, feel your Bible and see what the Lord is actually trying to tell you through this. OK, because chances are your faith's been shaken, whether you want to admit it or not. And the real chances are, if we're honest, is that God didn't show up and do something that you thought he should have did. We getting a little more honest now. You know, the real thing is you thought God should have healed somebody and, they, and he did. not You thought somebody shouldn't have died and they did. You thought you shouldn't have had to suffer. But you did. And, and here, here's the biggest the biggest thing, guys, that we need to understand when, when our faith is shaken because God doesn't change something or God doesn't fix something or or, or whatnot. And all this, Elijah is going to show us some lessons that he, here's probably the biggest problem. Remember, the whole main objective for Elijah to begin is to prove that Yahweh is the one true God, one true God. None not of the rest of them. Yahweh is is the one. So when most people lose their faith and they begin to maybe even, you know, tell me something about them losing their faith. Here's what it is. It's a false projection of God. They didn't lose faith in God. They lost faith in a false projection of God. So which really says this, that they lost faith in an idol because they didn't truly understand who God was. Right? Because God's not your little Santa Claus and your little genie and your little whatever you want to make him where he's going to come down and grant all your wishes and and things are going to be great. There's going to be some sucky moments with God. Even when you're walking in obedience. You know, as Tina said, you know, we all glad, who is not glad to see 2020 leave? None of you. See, that's easy to get y'all to raise your hands when I don't want any of you to raise your hands, right? It, it works well. Nobody. 2020 sucked. And we get so excited about it being the end of 2020, but here, now you got to be honest. What if 2021's worse? I ain't got no promise that says 2021 is going to be better. You know, I've been listening to some, some of these 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 messages and stuff and, and, and pastors and stuff, where they're, they're getting on on 2021. It's going to bring all the blessing. Why? What makes you think like that's the guarantee that 2021 is going to bring special blessings? Now, God blesses his people. I'm not saying you can't get a blessing in 2021. I'm not saying you couldn't have been blessed in 2020. I know a couple of people that had a blast in 2020, right? Like in a good way, not in that sacrilegious way, right? So, so <laughs> you know, kids go, but what if, what if it's not that good? What if you're a lady and, and here's the problem, because they'll, they'll, people will begin to explain to me, well, this is what God did. and This is why I got a problem with him. This is why I don't know if I fully believe in him. I, I'm quick, dense, easy. Well, that's good. I don't believe in that God either because you got a false perception of who God is. We need to understand who God really is and then determine if we really you know, believe in him or not. So as we jump into this, the second king or first king, chapter 17, pick up where we left off last week. You got to picture all this. And I'm going to do like a quick review of picture before we jump into some of these lessons. And here's the picture. God sent his prophet to go pick a fight with King Ahab. Y'all remember last week he knocked on the door. He didn't ask if he had permission to speak. He didn't ask if he could give a command. He didn't ask if he even had, you know, the right to be there. He come in and he said, you know what? I'm going to stop the rain. And I'm going to stop the rain because God said the rain is going to stop. And then the rain stops and he might drops. And then there's this problem where, where, for me, I shared with you last week. I think Elijah ought to get on his gloves. He ought to get a fight going, and we and we ought to like have a have a battle right then and there. But God said Elijah's not ready for that, so I got to send Elijah to the brook where the ravens and the brooks going to feed him and, and, and water him and get him ready for Mount Carmel, which is where the real fight's going to take place. But but then along that line, so he's still being obedient. You know, it's bad when you're obedient and having consequences. He's being obedient. He did what the Lord told him to do. He knocked on the king's door, gave the king's message, and then everybody hates him. But isn't it good when God provides for us while everybody's hating us? Right? Isn't it good while all your haters are hating on you that God's still providing for you? Because he goes to the brook and he never misses a meal. He never misses a drink. I mean, none of that during the whole time that he's there. If nothing else, it's almost you could say, and this is why we closed with it last week on the big lesson of, of God pushing. It's almost like if If God's supplying all your needs for a year and a half or so, it'd be pretty easy to get comfortable. Wouldn't it? You know, I I know some some customers and and God, I hope it ain't none of y'all that that have told me before. Like, I'm just waiting on my next stimulus check. I ain't going to get a job. I'm just waiting on the next stimulus check. I don't think that was the objective. Don't get comfortable waiting on another stimulus check because it might not be coming. Right. God says, I don't want you to stay comfortable here because this miracle was just for a season. See, most miracles are temporary. We do realize that, right? Right? Now, there's the ultimate miracle that's for eternity. Don't get me wrong. But most miracles, they're for a temporary temporary condition. We'll get to more of that in just a minute, all right? So he goes to this brook. He goes there. It doesn't work out. God says, you know what? You're going to go to Zarephath, And if I'm Elijah, now, I don't know how many any of y'all cheat. And look at the back of your Bible. We got this little map. Right. If you cheat, and look at the baggy Bible. You got this map. Maybe I shouldn't even tell Crystal to put it on the screen, which is a crying shame that I didn't because that girl would love to put a map on anything. Um, just because she like a map. Right. But, but if you look back there, he's got to take a hundred mile trip. Now, he didn't have Uber Eats with the Ravens. Right. But there's no Uber going to pick him up and take him these hundred miles. So he's got to walk either by foot or jump on a donkey or a camel or whatever he can steal and hitchhike on to get there. But here's the thing. Now, we, we hinted at this last week. This is this is this is Jezebel's backyard. So not only is he going 100 miles in the wrong direction, he's going 100 miles into enemy's territory to Jezebel's daddy, who's the king, by the way. Don't forget that back door. And this is where God's commanded him to go. So you got to picture of this scene now. He's walking 100 miles unprotected, scared as can be away from his hometown into enemy territory while he's already a hunted man. Don't nobody like him because it ain't rained in a long time and they all know it's because of him. Right. And he's still got to do it. So here's your free lesson before we even get to point number one. It's time to come out of hiding. Because last week, one of our points was God God will bring us to a place of of, of what we called hiding, because that's what it was at the brook for him. But it was just a, a training ground. Elijah's still in school. He ain't graduated yet. And in school, you learn that there's a season for this. And then there's a season to come out of hiding. And maybe 2020 was so bad because so many believers have been in hiding. And, and God is saying, you know what, it's time for you to come on out of hiding. And, and we get this and then we get to verse 10. <laughs> 10 through 16, man, I, I, you just got to look at it. We're not going to read it again because it's already been read. I know you guys probably read it every day this week. Y'all are good Bible-believing followers. And y'all know we do verse by verse. You knew where we would be, right? It says, so Elijah did get up and he did go there. And you gotta picture this scene too now, cause why, why he goes into the city, I don't know about you, but there, there's this, there's this Walton girl. You know, her, her husband who died was, was Sam Walton's, uh, son. So when, when she became a widow, scripture, or, or not scripture, scripture don't have her in it, right? We're not that far advanced yet. But, 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 but Google, Google says that she became worth $17.6 billion. Now, if I'm Elijah and the Lord done said I'm gonna provide a widow to take care of you, that's what I'm looking for. Right? I'm looking for the sugar mama that got $17.6 billion, that, that got a mansion, that's got everything going well, and can take care of me. <laughs> Elijah is in so much more connection with God than I am because he walks into this city, and what's the first person he sees? A widow? Gathering sticks. Yeah. Now, me, I'd have been like, Lord, I think you revealed the wrong widow to me. If she's gathering sticks, she ain't got nothing. Um, you know, we need to renegotiate this thing. But Elijah's got complete faith. He sees this and we could say that we don't know all the details. But we could say he evidently received a feeling also from the Holy Spirit or a word from the Holy Spirit, whatever it was. And instantly he knew this was her. So sure that this was her. Look at what he says now. She's gathering sticks now. Put yourself in her shoes. We'll try to do that on this side. I'll try to keep it separate, right? If you're her, you're gathering sticks for what? Your last meal. Remember her answer here in just a minute is going to be like, me and my boy are poor, but I got enough enough to make one cake. We're going to have one last meal and then we're just going to die. That's a desperate situation to be in. Okay? So that's her mindset. She's picking up sticks for her last meal. Elijah comes rolling into the town. Hey, go get me something to drink. <laughs> we on the same page. Why not? Why wouldn't she have said, go get your own cup of water, you bum? I'm broke. I'm out here trying to like get some sticks to make my last meal with my boy and da 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 da. But customs. Remember these people. These people are tied into the customs of. This is why Jesus could go to the Samaritan years later in the New Testament, and he could say, "Oh, I just wish I had something to drink." And that Samaritan woman would get him something to drink. Okay, this was a custom. A custom was you was if you was to give a visitor or a beggar what they asked for. Now, now here's the thing that we have to know. She had something to drink because what does she do? Oh, you need something to drink. She goes. She doesn't give the response that me and you would have gave. She goes and gets him something to drink. But before she even gets to get the drink, this bum, hey, why are you over there? Bring me back something to eat. Get it yourself. You got to say it with some authority now. Get it yourself. Because that's this is unplanned. This is good, right? Because because this is what she finally does. Maybe not in the words me and you would use, right? But she turns around and she says, "Look, I." I ain't got nothing. I had a sip of drink that I could have brought you. But when you asked for me to bring you something to eat, you got to understand, I don't have nothing. I'm so broke. I'm trying to pick up sticks so that I can go back home and take this little bit of, of meal I got left and this little bit of oil I got left and make one cake. So me and my boy can eat it and then die. You would think Elijah, you know, being a good pastor. Oh lady I'm so sorry. Let me pray for you. Let me help you. Let me con, con, you know g- give you some condolences or whatever that big word is that I can't say. Right? Elijah says <laughs> I love you too, right? Elijah says get in the kitchen. But he says why? He says I believe that if you would just get in the kitchen and make the make the meal and give me mine first, Stingy thing, ain't he? He don't even say, like, we'll sit down together at the same table and share it. He says, you're going to go fix it, and you're going to bring me mine first. But he says, if you do that, I believe then that God will provide enough where you will never miss anything during the rest of this drought until it rains again is what he says. What? Now, and me, now, we know the story because we just now read it, right? But I'm over here, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, man, lesson learned. God is able to supply needs even in pagan territory. God is able to supply your needs even in enemy territory. Right? You know, last week we could have said when God brought ravens as they was unclean birth, that maybe he's going to bring some, some unholy people to supply some of your needs with a check. You're not going to turn down a check, right? You know what I'm saying? So, so maybe, maybe there's some checks coming away from an unholy person. I don't know. But, but God goes into Baal's territory where Baal can't meet the needs of his own people. Right? You, you could almost say, y'all remember David's words in, in, in Psalm chapter 23. I don't know if this one's on the screen or not. It is red, so it is, right? Psalm 23, David writes that, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and their staff, they come me. You the table in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. I wonder if, like, like <laughs> David had this moment, and we know he wrote it. Like, we don't get into a psalm, which is a little bit later. But we know that they probably had David's journals. And I wonder if maybe Elijah had read this journal. And he was like, even though I'm going to be going into enemy territory, the shadow of death, even though I'm gonna be surrounded in the presence of enemies, the Lord's going to take that little cup of oil and he's going to meet all my needs so much. So what does it end with that? My cup will run it over. Right. And you would think, man, the story ought to stop right there. And that is good stuff right there. Right. No, no, we get 17 through 24. And again, I just want to make sure we understand the whole chapter in picture frame. Right. So we can get into the lessons. It doesn't stop right there. It doesn't stop right there at all, because 17 through 24, if I got to be blunt and honest with y'all. Like, if you read it and didn't know the end of it, I'm asking God, what the heck are you doing, man? You know what I'm saying? Like like when it gets to a stage where this lady, she, she actually does what he told her to do. And, and she doesn't run out of any oil and she doesn't run out of any meal. And they keep eating every single day. Right. Like they, they is. They is just eating while everybody else is in, in a season of drought and, and a season of poverty and everything else going on. And you would think, man, this is awesome. But then like she comes home one day and her son is dead. Her son is dead. Now, you got to think for somebody who may be a new believer or a confused believer or whatever stage she's at. She's thinking, I've been doing what you commanded me to do. And God's been blessing it. So I know God's hand is on it. And the reward I get is a dead son when I get home. But that's not even the attitude she has. She, which we'll get to a little bit later as well, she says, is this my fault? She don't blame God. She asked if it was her fault because of her sin. She knew, she knew she'd evidently messed up. And here's the thing we got to realize. Now, we know the ending, like he raises him from the dead and all that good stuff, right? But now let's get into some lessons from it. Because remember, the main objective is Elijah is showing us and God is showing us through Elijah that he is different than all the other gods. You could say like somebody who doesn't know religion, they can say all religions are the same. That'd be like saying all white people look the same. You know what I'm saying? Or all black people look the same. Or I made a mistake of telling somebody just before this, so maybe it was a good illustration, right? She looked like a normal white woman. Uh, what does a normal white woman look like? Oh, uh, you know, y'all shaking your head, but at least I didn't say she looked like a normal black woman, right? Because then it would have been even worse. And we could go even deeper, right? But but th- this this is what we do sometimes. And here's what we say when we say that all of one nation or all of one, one type, like we used to say, like, he looked like Mr. Miyagi because he's Asian, right? Like we That's his own joke, so I can do it, okay? Some of y'all like, oh, my God, I know he didn't. No, oh, yes, he did. Right. Like, so we got that going. Here's here's what you're saying. When you say all religions are all races, what saying. you're saying I don't care enough about it to check it out. Now, now let's pause right there and let that sink in. because That's not even a, like a main sermon thing. But you're going to tell me as a believer, you don't care enough about another nationality, another group, another race, another economic class to check it out. People who tell me that all religions are the same, you're going to tell me then that they don't care enough to check out the one true God to find out if it really is the same or not? Because that's the problem. We don't care enough to check it out. Either that or we just like hearing things that make us feel good and none of this bad stuff that could possibly go on, right? Right? Here's here's part of the big picture now. Number one, the true God is a God of the outsider. When he's he's taking Elijah and he's getting ready to combat. All these bales and everything, not bales of hay, but bales of gods, right? When he's doing that, the number one thing God wants to make sure he teaches through Elijah, that Elijah teaches the people, is that the one true God, Yahweh, is the God of the outsider. You're like, oh, what does that mean, right? Of all the places God could have sent Elijah to do miracles, to provide in a famine, have you paused the think about it? He sent him to a pagan Widowed woman in enemy territory. I even jotted down this week one of my, one of my very first notes that I noticed when I, when I get the big picture in my head was, was, was there no other widows in Israel? Why do you have to cross a hundred miles in enemy territory to find this one widow? Was there, and maybe, maybe that's the answer. And I don't know the answer. There's not a verse that says and there was no willing widows, right? Uh, in all of Israel, right? But, but was there, was there none? Or did God specifically just want to get out of a people group that had started to reject him? And get to the outside. See, we see in the New Testament now in the Old Testament. Oh, imagine that. Y'all thought they was two separate books, right? Here's a Bible quiz for you. You know the first sermon Jesus ever preached? None of you Bible scholars? Huh? I know some of y'all only read the red lighters in the Bible. So like you should have have a cliff notes version of this, right? Right around the Sermon on the Mount. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. You know what started at? If you look, if you go to Luke chapter four, verse 25, I'm going to read 26 as well, right? To get a little bit bigger picture of the story. Jesus preaches his first sermon. What's the sermon about? It's about Elijah. His first sermon is about this guy and specifically this story. So I just got to ask, do you think this story is important? When it's Jesus's first sermon, right? That he preaches, right? Luke four, 25, 26 is what I'm going to read. But in truth, this is Jesus speaking, but in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel. In case y'all forgot, there's a big war going on between the north and the south. There's a bunch of wars between outside territories going on. There's a bunch of widows because men are having to die because they fight battles they weren't supposed to be fighting. That's a whole other message in itself, but we just need to understand where they're at. OK, yeah, there's a bunch of widows in Israel, right? But here's what it says. I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, he, he's thinking, just in case you thought this wasn't the exact moment I'm talking about, I'll make sure you understand because I know all of you remember that drought that was three years and six months. So this is the exact time frame I'm talking about. A great famine came over all the land, 26, and Elijah was sent to none of them. <laughs> Can you imagine when you're talking to religious leaders, by the way? This is who this is who he's preaching to, I don't know if you didn't know. Like Luke 4, he's talking to a bunch of religious people, right? And you tell them, ain't none of your people good enough. So I had to go on to somebody else. Right. That'd be like one of these organizations outside trying to roll up in here and tell me, ain't none of your members of Brookhaven good enough. So we had to go on over to another church. That kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Right. It should hurt yours, too. Verse 26. And Elijah sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath. He had to send them into enemy territory because none of them were the right ones. In the land of Sidon, just in case you mix up, I want to make sure you understand. Baal's territory, Jezebel's home city, her daddy's backyard. To a woman who was a widow. To a woman who had no qualifications. An outsider. The famine had affected all of Israel, but Elijah sent to rescue a pagan, widowed woman in Baal's home state. This gets so trivial When you read this now, it's kind of funny. Somewhat, Right. When you when you read the story in Luke chapter four, we don't have time to go to. It. They get so mad at what Jesus is preaching to them about Elijah and the story with the widow that they try to push him off a cliff. I'm dead serious. I'm not even lying. Look it up and read it. They they start gathering around him with this little mob squad, and Jesus is right there. You know Jesus ain't gonna change his sermon, right? So he's still preaching the same words, and they just getting closer and closer, like they're getting ready to shove him off the cliff. And if you read it, then it says like he he disappeared from them. Right. I'm telling you, you read it. and It's like they don't even tell you like how he got away. It just tells you the crowd was closing in on the cliff and then he was on the other side. And then he preached on the Beatitudes. Right. <laughs> right? So we don't even know. But they get so it made me think I laugh. Maybe I got off on a tangent right there or, or right here. But I remember like my first sermon. My first sermon was original Baptist church. Like, I don't know, 15 minutes away. And it had like a youth Sunday. Right, so so it was like you know, youth did the music and youth did the sermon and, and youth did everything and I and I preached that sermon. I don't have a clue what it was about or anything else, right? But I remember like afterwards everybody, oh good job, we're so proud of you. Right, we'll take you out for ice cream and, and we'll take you to get whatever lunch you want and, and all that. I'm like, Yeah! Jesus' first sermon, they want to kill him. You see the difference? Right? I mean, this, this is crazy right here, but we need to understand like this is this is where Jesus was going and this is where Elijah's going. And this is where God Yahweh is going. Yahweh is a God of the outsiders. All other religions at this point and even in today's world focus on the insider. Do what's right. And God will bless you. Right. If you do this or if you're successful here, God will, will love you more. Right. Th- this this is just showing us real quickly and, and real. bluntly that God's all about outsiders. Some of y'all might be reading like like the genealogy of Jesus as we're coming up on on Christmas season, right? Like you might be taking advantage of that just to to look at like the beginning of Jesus's life and and, and whatnot as we close out this year. When you read the genealogy and you, and you go to um Matthew you know, Matthew's genealogy, I so I had to make sure I had the right one, right? It's easy to skip over that stuff. It's just a bunch of names and and all right. But you need to understand like a genealogy for a person this time was showing like the right they had, the power they had. Like they were listening to people in their bloodline that made them acceptable, that made them awesome, that made them great, that made them who they could be. So much so that we've got proof that, like Herod, when he uh, had genealogies, he would actually delete people from the bloodline. that was kind of shady, which is funny because I can't think of anybody more shady than Herod. But you know, at, the, at that time he was he was making sure like his resume looked good. Now you go to Matthew chapter one and you look over Jesus's genealogy, and Jesus don't hide none of the lives that the normal person would have been ashamed of, right? I mean, he he actually, now you need to understand, if this is like a resume, like something you're proud of, he's actually celebrating their dysfunction and their shame. Because you look at it and you go to Matthew chapter 1 and and just view it. You've got women, which by the way, women were never included in a genealogy right off the get-go. Jesus said, I'm going to break that mold right now, right? He throws them in on his list. But then you've got women more specifically that have a lot of scars, now, some of you may have already read it and, and, and some of you may need to. If not, I'll just kind of review it. So, so these women listen to Jesus' genealogy, they're tainted most of the time by sexual scandal. I mean, you get Rahab, who's a prostitute. I don't know about you, but if you ask him for my resume, and, and I knew like my great 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 aunt or great 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 grandma was a prostitute, I'm not gonna tell you about it. Like that's gonna be like a little secret thing that we, we we bury down. Like that's family stuff that you keep in the closet. Jesus throws it out there. Right? You you've got um Ruth, who's a Moabite. She's not even from the same area in the front people group. She's an outsider. Bathsheba. Well, we know Bathsheba because we just studied her, right? She committed adultery with David. But all these women repented and came back to God. And their lives, though checkered by mistakes and shame, Jesus was not afraid of to list. God was not afraid of to list and to use. Write this down. This is awesome right here. God gave me this. All these names in the genealogy that are written, they're written to Christ so that your name and my name can be written from Christ. That's awesome. I think that's one of the things like why why God includes these in there. Their names are included in the line that leads to Christ so that our names can be included in the line that leads from Christ. Right? Because God cares about the outsiders. God takes Abraham, (laughs) who's mentioned in the same line as a prostitute Rahab, right? Because it's no matter who you are and what you've done, God's making room for you. Because we're all outsiders when we really think about it. None of us are worthy, you, you know, to be there, right? You, you, If you think you're not worthy, yeah, well, let me tell you, you were bought with the most valuable possession on earth, Christ's blood. Okay? So that makes you worthy, right? Other religions, you, you got to have favor and you got to have all this good stuff and you got to be blessed and you got to have money. And think about it. You go to certain churches and certain 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 messed up churches, we'll call it that, right? If you ain't got the right dollar amount to your name, do they do anything for you? Do they try to use you? Do they buddy up with you? No. Once they find out you ain't got nothing they can benefit from, you're like a back burner kind of person. That's how you know right off the rip that that may be a heretic style thing going on up in there, right? Not so with God's true grace. God loves giving grace. He loves blessed. What does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? You feel like an outsider? It's an advantage, man. It makes you a candidate for something, right? Also, in case you thought this was like just for like something to make you feel good, if you are a believer and if you do have a relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion, but a real relationship with God. I'm not talking about you said a prayer when you were little. I'm talking about like you have a real relationship with God. The Holy Spirit has touched your life, impacted you, and changed you through power. That they talked about the other night and all that kind of stuff, right? Then you welcome the outsiders. You welcome the outsiders. You understand the gospel that is characterized by reaching those outside, not simply just hanging out with saved people. I I can't even, I don't know about you guys. Some of y'all may be able to watch like, some of these famous big time pastors, even though they got some good stuff to say every now and then, like one line out of like every fifty, right? But but I can't even watch them because because I know some of the backstory on some of the stuff that they do. And, and what I mean by that is it's not not to even loud anybody out, just someone like you. You can't even get close to them if, if you remember the church. Like they roll in at the last moment, you know nobody see them. They they sneak down from their little hidden Batman cave and, and they come up and and they preach and then they like gone. And I heard one of them like like they was walking somewhere back to the parking lot or something where he had his own driver and all that. So my wife's going to drive for me today, so I can feel like that, uh, right? So 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 you got to go in and and like they they try not to get touched by people. And here's the first thing that comes through my head if I wasn't whether I'm outside or not outside, right? Like I'm watching. I'm like, do they think like their special anointing is going to be tainted if they get touched by an unho- unholy person? Right. If you're annoying, now This goes for all believers. I ain't just talking about pastors and special famous people or none of that stuff. Right. If you think you can't hang out with dirty people and you can't touch dirty people. Right. Th- something's wrong with you. Like if, you, if you're if you're Holy Spirit anointing, what was was something that could be removed by somebody dirty touching it? You ain't got the same Holy Spirit touching I got. Right. Because of Jesus, I got like he touched the lepers before he healed the lepers. Right. Elijah goes and stays in this woman's house makes his own place there, eats with her, eats with her kid and all this kind of stuff before he ever does some of the other miracles that, that we get at the end of this chapter, right? We got to be people who get out and touch the outsiders, right? Huh? Let, let's get honest for a minute. Here's, here's a gut gut check question for you. I done broke these lights. Gut check question for you. I apologize, Heather. I'm sure you can fix it, right? Gut check question for you. How many unsaved people were on your prayer list last night? Now, for God's sake, don't answer out loud. How many? How many lost people you prayed for last night? How many lost people you prayed for this morning? If God, let's go even deeper. If God was to do like this one big thing, like he's going to come down right now and say I'm going to answer all your prayers from last week. I'll give you a whole week. How many people would be added to the kingdom? And kingdom style living. Some of y'all got real quiet because you just realized man, it's been a week since I prayed for somebody I know is lost. Some of y'all think about somebody you gave up on. Because you tried to witness to them so many times and they kept rejecting it. But well, I'm so glad God didn't give up on me. Right? How many? How many would be added to the kingdom? How many? How many of them you got numbers in your phone right now? And it's not for any personal benefit or any hanging out when you're ready to do your little get away from the Christian faith kind of lifestyle, right? But how many numbers you got in your phone right now that you can text and call because you want to hang out with them and share something that you learned in church today? Maybe get a coffee. Maybe just spend. T- Maybe just let them know that you're okay to spend time with them fellowship with them hang out with them right how many how many how many of y'all would be willing to 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 go down to where these clothes are going to be handed out at you know youth want to do that y'all adults y'all like forget something along like we get older and something changes in our brains or something i don't know like we, we forget you ever watch like little kids little kids be the first to like try to do something for somebody else right They'd be the first to try to try to bless somebody else, try to go to somebody else. They'd be the first to to, to pick up something that fell on the dirty ground and hand it to somebody. They'd be the first to wipe tears and, and snot off somebody when an adult, they're like, Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Don't get your germs on me. Right? Some of y'all so deathly afraid of what could be that you were missing what is. This woman came to know God because a weirdo entered her life. That's how I wrote it down. I'm serious. Now, you think now this is what I mean by weirdo. She's over here gathering sticks and this guy just rolls up saying as blunt as he can what he wants. I need a cup of water. I need something to eat. Some of y'all scared to death to say it like it needs to be said. This guy said it like it needed to be said, right? He's a weirdo. He asked some pretty straightforward questions. I I wrote it down this way. I'm going to go ahead and share it. I I didn't even type it up this way, but the first way I wrote it down, be a weirdo to somebody. Right? You leave the day. You know what I'm saying? No problem at all. Roll that one. What was the best point you got today? Pastor said, be a weirdo. All right, it's good stuff, good stuff. Now, now here, here, here's for some of you already believe in people, or at least they think they believe, right? Duty comes before opportunity. Some of you ain't got an opportunity because you're not performing your duty. Even with this lady, now check this out. We said in the Middle East, you don't refuse a traveler a cup of water when they ask for it, right? We use John chapter four, verse seven, when Jesus went to the Samaritan woman to draw water and he said, please give me a drink, right? Don't miss this, because before Elijah gave the widow the opportunity, she had to prove herself by doing her duty. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all ain't getting opportunities because you're not performing your duty. OK. She was going to do her duty. Now, she didn't even perform the duty. You just got to be willing to do the duty. <laughs> I'll let y'all hat that one, right? You got to be willing to do the duty, Right. Before you can get the opportunity because she's going to do the duty. She don't even make it to the house. And he says, hey, bring me something to eat, too. So she she's going to do what she's required to do, expected to do. And then opportunity comes up and she she then has to say, what? What? Because then there's an offer. So so if you're doing the duty, then you I got to quit. think of a new way to word that. Right. If you're performing the duty. Then you have the ability to perform the opportunity or you hear the opportunity. Right. Then there's an offer. Look at 17, verse 14. For this is what this is Elijah speaking to her. For this is what the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, there will always be plenty of flour and oil left in the containers until the same time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. Remember, she just said, I ain't got enough to make one cake. And and, and that's it. Like, this is going to be our, our final meal. Like this, this is it. Right. And he says, no, if you do this one thing, if you do this one thing with with the little that you got, see, God can do a lot with a little. You do this one thing with the little thing you got. God's going to send enough until the rain starts again to provide for everything. Plain and simple, God is saying that if you'll trust me to provide for you, then I'll handle all the rest. Right? Here's what we do, though, guys. Here's what we do. Or maybe here's our problem. Maybe we need to stop waiting for what we want and start giving God what we have. Right? We always focus on what we don't have. You ever you ever notice that? I mean, on everything. If you're hungry at night, and you go open the fridge or the or the cabinet. That's why you stand there so long. I'm guilty of it, too. I do the same thing. Right. You you just stand there. Now that I'm a dad, it's shut the fridge, you running up the electric bill, knucklehead. Right. But he's doing the same thing I'm doing. Like what? <sighs> what I want ain't here. Right. Or women. And some of you men, too, you do it when you go to your little your little fancy uh, walk-in cabinets and all that, right? You walk in there. You got enough clothes to clothe everybody in Africa, right? But you stand there and you focus on the one dress, the one shirt, the one pair of pants, the one shoes, the one sock, the one whatever that you don't have. Right? We focus so much on what we don't have that we miss what we got. Now, even the, even this woman right here, not only does she not have food, but she's got a kid at home. But she don't even focus on that. All we have, all I got, all I got. That's what she says. All I got is enough to feed us one time. What What if it's about what you got? What if it really is about what you got? And, and, and how you're going to use it, right? Because if you miss what you got, you're not going to use it. But if you use what you got, well, then God can do something awful with it, right? Maybe, maybe our goal then is to offer God what we have so that we can then trust him for what we need. God says, if you give me what you got, I'll take care of your needs. Right? The widow took God and Elijah on their word. She was asked. She obeyed the promise. Uh, she obeyed the promise before the production, by the way. Can, can you imagine? Now, she's got enough for one. you got to picture the scene again. Just a good movie scene, right? She's got enough for one cake. So she's like, you think like as She was pouring it. She's like, should I save a little bit? Right? Like, she's pouring the last. She's got just enough for one. She's a cook. Now, now if you, you know, if you know any good stay at home mamas that can cook, this, this is her. Right? She knows exactly how much she needs. So she's got enough for exactly one amount. She, she has to get rid of all of it before the production of the miracle. She gives out of her poverty, not out of her plenty, you could say, right? The promises of God are often dependent on our obedience to God. Really. Really, some of you never, you, you never know the miracles you could be experiencing because you haven't depended on God fully. So somebody had asked me, I don't even think they're here this morning, somebody had asked me after, after John's testimony Wednesday, they were like, what kind of cool stuff that guy seen? So I said, I got a book at the house I'll bring you, you can read, right? He's got a whole book of them, <laughs> right? But, but I wonder, like, like, we get so excited about what other people tell us that they've seen that we don't realize we can see it ourselves. They ain't like God ain't got like some kind of special warp thing around the seabirds over there where they excluded Danny. Like he's kicked out. Right. Like like they just went down and and, and like John and Marsha got beamed up for miracles and nobody else. He says, I got it for all of you. If you would just claim it, if you would just believe it and act on it. Right. You got you got to act on on what he says. So the promises of God, they're dependent on our obedience. Abraham, he had to leave his hometown to get to the promised land. Can you imagine that first step? Leaving where you've always been? And God's promised you this place that you can't even see. Moses, he had to stretch his hands out before the Red Sea parted. Could you imagine standing with, with a million people behind you, by the way, the Red Sea in front of you and the enemies coming behind them. How fast do you think he raises his hands? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you got a picture, man. He's standing on this cliff. You, you, you got your people, a million people behind you that you've led out of Egypt. You got the enemy of Egypt coming, coming to get you and you facing this Red Sea. Like, like did he shoot him up quick or did he? They don't tell us how fast he raised him, right? But he had to raise him before the Red Sea parted. Or, or if that ain't good enough for you, recently we did Joshua. Could you imagine Joshua talking to his men? Hey, I want you to walk around this wall. What are we going to do at the end? Nothing. We're going to go back home. We're going to sit in our tents. We're going to go to sleep. Oh, what are we going to do at night? Nothing. But well, we're gonna get up in the morning. We're gonna walk around the wall again. Oh yeah, then what we're gonna do? Nothing. We're gonna go back home. We're gonna take a nap. What we gonna do that night? Nothing. Then we're gonna get up. We're gonna walk around the wall again. And we're gonna do it again and again and again. And then on, the, on, on that last day, we're gonna walk around it seven times. Oh, then what we're gonna do? We're gonna bring out our trumpets and we're gonna play a song. What's that gonna do? I ain't got a clue, but that's what the Lord told us to do. So that's what we're gonna do. Right? The walls was still standing while they bland the trumpet, y'all. How many walls are standing in front of you that God's already called you to walk around and blow a trumpet on? You won't know why the wall ain't fell? The wall ain't fell because you ain't walked around it and you ain't blew the trumpet. If you can't be obedient with your part, how's God going to be awesome on his part? I think God's got so many blessings and miracles. Like his pockets is overflowing up there wherever he's sitting at or, or, or however you want to look at that thing. And like he's like, I don't want to give them so much, but they just won't do what they're supposed to do to get it. And some of y'all sitting at the house and y'all so dumbfounded by it, you, you've missed it. Like I don't know why God just won't do this for me because you ain't did your part. If you ain't did your part, how are we going to do his part? If you would act on your part, oh, my God, the things he could do for you, though. Right. Now, it ain't always going to be good. We're going to get to some bad, too. Right. Could this be the reason that God ain't gave you an abundance? I am just I just want you to think about it. Could it be that God hadn't given you an abundance because you haven't been obedient? I don't even think he gives gives this lady an abundance, but I'll get to that in just a minute. Actually, I'm gonna get to it now because I love it. I, I really I love it, man. Right. You read this thing. Does she get new jars? Does he tell her like, hey, go down to Walmart and get the big jars this time? Right. I mean, she's a widow. She's broke. Her husband dead. He might have died from the war. We don't know. Right. But, but she's got nothing. He had no life insurance. Ain't nothing going on for. Her, right. So she's probably got like these little jars. You know what I'm saying? But Elijah didn't say, hey when you use up the little jar, go down to the Walmart or the general dollar or the family dollar or the target. If you're that high class, right. And get the big jars this time. Because what was God's exact promise? I'm going to give you enough where you will eat until the rain comes again. That's all he said. I wonder if every day, it don't even say that the jar got full. Y'all need to catch this now. It ain't like she, she poured that little bit out and she made Elijah his cake and, She went back to the jar. She's like, please let it be full. Please let it be full. I bet she opened that jar and it was just a little bit again. I promise you, I really believe it. I fully 100% believe that's the way it happened. Right? And and then like she made that last cake and she's like, well, at least we got our last meal, right? Then she got up the next morning and she went back again. Just a little bit. Now, here's what's cool when you think about it like that. That means God had to come down every day and put a little bit more in that jar. That means God wanted to get close to her every day, right? Some of y'all are so scared about this, this season that's coming up, which, which is funny to me anyway, because y'all put yourselves in debt, buying gifts for people you don't care about, right? But anyway, I could do a whole, that could be a whole another sermon I won't even go into right now, right? But but, but, but y'all do that, and y'all, y'all do this thing like every morning you get up and check your account, and you check your account, and then at lunchtime you check your Stop checking your account. God said, I'm going to meet your needs, right? Then stop checking your account. Stop worrying about how he's going to do it. Jesus said, pray this way. Pray, God, I, I pray that you will give me my... Da- oh, my God, my 12 year old got it. Thank God we got a 12 year old in the room because the rest of y'all heathens don't even know the Lord's prayer. Right? God said, I will give you your daily bread. He didn't say I'm going to give you for the year. He didn't say I'm going to give you for the month. He didn't say I'm going to give you for, for the week or, or, or years to come or all three years of the drought. He said, I'm going to give you your. Oh, now y'all want to copy the 12 year old, right? I'm going to give you your daily bread. Huh? God wants us to depend on him daily. I think God don't give us an abundance sometimes because he can't trust us with an abundance. Because a couple things would happen. He'd give us an abundance and we would either spoil it or ruin it or we'd forget where it came from and come Friday we'd be whining again like he ain't did something for us. Right? A daily dependence on God. This is going to come up again in a minute, but I got to give you just the, the nitbit of where we're going here. Elijah, this is kind of a mini point, right? Elijah was a recipient of provision so now he can distribute some. He was a recipient of provision. Think about when he was down at the brook. Now, y'all, y'all, have y'all ever seen a raven? Not a crow. I know all y'all. Yeah, I see him every day. You see crows every day. You in South Carolina, okay? Know the difference. You ever seen a raven? Raven, like the biggest raven. They got a couple different species. I was checking this out. The biggest raven's like 18 to 24 inches. That's kind of big for a bird, right? But how much bread and how much meat? a 24 inch bird that weighs four pounds actually bring you you is unholy would you say a lot I, you must eat you must not eat a lot right let me where's my big brothers at i'm not i'm dead serious i need a big brother roscoe right johnny don't be shriveling up Use a big brother right my daddy Where, who, any other big brothers that i can call out my brother-in-law right some of y'all thinking, there's some other big people. Yeah, but you don't call out people you don't know when they're big, right? <laughs> I could point to a few of them, but I ain't gonna call them, right? I need my big brothers, right? Jet, What's that? He's back there with the kids. Brian, when you watch this online, you a big brother for sure. Right? Where's Joe? Joe is an extra large big brother, right? <laughs> That's what you get for not being here when you watch it online. All right, you get to be the extra, extra large category, right? My big brothers, can a 24 inch bird. Bring you a lot of food at once? No! Thank you, Peyton. Right? Some of y'all satisfied. Oh, he dropped down one rib. What's one rib? (laughs) I want more than one rib. I want like a rack of ribs. You know what I'm like, right, Roscoe? You go to lunch today, you're going to get a bite of the sandwich? No, you're going to get the whole daggum sandwich. Here's what's cool, though, right? Lunch, yeah, whatever, right? Right? You got this thing going. It's a lot of birds dropping off a lot of stuff, but I guarantee it was only enough for one day. Actually, I'm sorry. He did it in the morning and evening. I guarantee it was only enough for one meal. I guarantee it was just enough for one meal. That means, that means Elijah ain't storing none of it up. He ain't got no fridge. Hey, put that in the fridge back there, right? I mean, I don't know who he's talking to. Maybe it's like that little ball just in that movie with the guy. What's, uh, Wilson? Hey, Wilson, well, like he's on this thing by himself, right? Yeah. He ain't talking to Wilson. Wilson ain't there, right? He's had provision. Now he's able to distribute provision. God's blessed y'all with some miracles so that y'all will then distribute some of them. I'm serious. Now on the flip side, if that is true, you know my theory. If one is true, then the opposite is true. You can't give what you ain't got. Okay? You understand? Even a lady said, I can't give you what I ain't got, so God had to give it to her. Right? You can't give what you ain't got. Some of y'all, some of y'all get like a little, a little taste of Jesus and y'all want to roam it. That's a good thing, don't get me wrong, right? But you can't give somebody the Holy Spirit if you ain't got the Holy Spirit yet. You can't give the Holy Spirit anyway, right? But but you know what I'm saying. You can't give what you ain't got. Elijah was a recipient of provision, so he now can become a distributor of provision. Number two. Wow, all that was number one. See, I told you, note takers, you would hate that. Number two. We still get out. Of, no, we ain't get out on time. Number two. The true God. <laughs> the true God is a God that contradicts and confuses us. Now, notice, I didn't say he contradicts himself. But it contradicts us and he confuses us. Have any of y'all ever been confused by God? You ever been contradicted by God? Right? I mean, the story goes on. Last week, we talked about that that obedience, like suffering and obedience. That phrase still just sounds weird, but we got to be honest because we in church, right? This woman is being obedient, and it says what? Her son dies. She's gone. She's confronted by tragedy when she comes home. Now, watch how she responds. This is at verse 18, right? Her response is that I can't believe your God let this happen. She says, is it because of my past sins? Now, first of all, now, now I wonder, I wonder for a long time on this, but then I finally got it, by the way. And maybe y'all like me. Maybe y'all wonder, too. I wonder what in the world God was doing. Like this woman's being awesome. Like she should have like like she should now have had the 17.6 billion dollars that the, the Walton lady got. Right. Like it should have just boom came to her. Right. What is God doing where she kills his son? He kills her son in this process. And then her answer tells me, though, she still don't know who God is. She's got an idea of God, lower taste G, but she don't know Yahweh yet. And I prove that because what does she say? She's still got that old pagan mindset thing going on. Is it because of my past sins? See, worldly religion makes you think that because you did something wrong, you got to get punished. And because you do something right, you get rewarded. Right. She's got the wrong view of God still. So I get a little excited if you're watching this in stages. Now, you can't cheat to the end like we already did. But if you're watching the stages, then Elijah comes home. Right? And you're like, yeah, Elijah got the answer. He's a prophet, right? He'd have been to seminary. He's a theologian. He just got out of school. He got it going. Elijah comes home with the same question. He picks up. We read it. He picks up the little boy and he, he runs up to his room. I, I wonder, like, what the lady was really thinking, which, which, which we know, like, it says he had to pull the boy. So mama had that mama grips on him, right? And then he goes up to the room and here's what he says. You're like, oh, Elijah had this this awesome moment. He says, God, I don't get it. What in the world are you doing to this woman? He's like, this woman has been doing all this stuff and now you need to help this woman. Notice what they don't do. Maybe that's part of the lesson. What they don't do. They don't blame God. If anything, the woman acknowledges that she made mistakes, right? They also don't do this because here's one that really started getting on my nerves in the last couple of years. They don't try to explain it either. I can't stand... And I, now I fell in the trap of doing it. So I couldn't stand myself evidently when I was doing it too. They don't try to explain what happened. He don't sit down and be like, well, you know, we live in a fallen world and that means death. That ain't making nobody feel good holding a dead baby. Right? And y'all think, well, he was a teenager. He was still a baby dead mom, I promise you. Right? That, that ain't helping. That ain't getting it through it. That, that just ain't doing it. Right? Don't try to explain or answer it away or anything like that. Okay? Not the work it's going to be doing. Right? This is a battle going on between Baal and Yahweh and we don't even know it. Nor does Elijah, here's another thing he don't do to not love the pet peeve, right? Nor does he promise her she'll just love and believe God, everything will be okay. You ever heard people say that? Now, I'm not saying the idea isn't right, okay? I'm just saying some ideas are dumb to give people at the wrong time. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Like, am I, Y'all with me? I don't want y'all to think like, oh, he's saying we shouldn't tell. I'm not saying you shouldn't tell people that. I'm saying tell people that at the right moment. Don't tell somebody that while they're holding the dead baby, okay? Ain't going to work. All right, so He doesn't promise to believe and everything. Go, He doesn't tell like if you just do what God told you to do. You never have pain. They just go to God and start asking for help. That's all they do. Some of y'all think, like, oh, there's a rocket science thing coming. Ain't a rocket science coming? They didn't do nothing but take the baby and ask God for help. God, we know that you've got mercy. We're going to appeal to it, right? The true God is sometimes a God that blows your mind with the things he chooses to do. Now your mind can be blown here with, with a baby does, or a boy that's gone, or your mind can be blown when this baby gets picked up here in a minute, right? If God doesn't do that, if God doesn't blow your mind both ways, understand that, both ways. I'm not talking about just the good. If God doesn't blow your mind both ways, chances are you really don't know the real God. Chances are that you probably only got a projection, projection of God in your imagination. Right? You've thought of a God. A God who feels the way you feel about moral issues and never offends or challenges or or confuses you is not the real God, I promise. I'm serious. A God uh, who conforms to your mind is usually a projection of your mind. Maybe you can say it that way. Yeah? And and now here's the weird truth. Because of stuff like this, this is what helps me know that Yahweh is the one true God because I got so many unanswered questions. Now you tell somebody that and they're like, man, that sounds kind of weird. You got a lot of unanswered. Yeah. Because if I could understand him, he'd be too small. I want a God I don't understand. Like, I I get lost on this, right? I want a God that that when you look at it, you're like, if I'd have made this up, the story would have been different. Of course, if you made it up, it would have been different. He's not made up, right? So so that makes more sense to me. Here here is God acting in ways that even a prophet doesn't understand. This is a great picture of true, true faith. Because when some people suffer, they assume that God just doesn't care and they get cynical about God and they rage against God and, and others turn to like God like he's some kind of uh, genie thing right here. And, and here's the problem with that. That works until it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like that, you can have that idea, but that works until it doesn't work anymore, right? You, you got pastors and, and religious people to, that are preached, right? And they'll say because it worked out in their favor a couple times and then it didn't, they'll get they'll get awestruck. Well, I did everything I was supposed to do. I named it. I claimed it. I, I, I confessed it. And I, I did it. And, 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 and it still didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. You realize part of faith is having a humble faith. I think humble faith is probably the most, uh, submission and humility to unanswered questions. Right? You, you gotta go to God knowing that he can heal, but at the same time, you gotta be humble enough that if he doesn't, you're still gonna trust him. Because like, like we're doing with these points, he's got the big picture in mind. Number three, officially number three. Probably like number 33 in actual things you should have written down. Right? The true God has power over death. Baal and none of the other gods have power over death. They can't touch it. They didn't even claim to be able to touch it for a lot of time period, right? Then they tried to, try to start copying God. Today we got, we got things that, the that, that, that promise salvation. Religions. Political figures. You know how many lies you probably heard last month? Huh? You probably can't even count them on one hand how many lies you heard in the last couple months, right? How about money? We think of money as this, right? Money can't help you beyond death though, right? You can have all the money in the world, but when you die, what happens? You ain't got no help. What about beauty? Huh? Some of y'all, y'all really rely on like beauty and the aging process and, and preserving life. Like that's it, right? Well, you can slow the aging process down, but you can't stop it. Right? I mean, you can nip it, tuck it, tighten it, tan it, tweak it, tat it, puff it, twist it, lift it, color it, whatever. But in all truth behind, you're getting saggier and older as life goes on. Right? Just the reality of it. So then I got to ask: If that's the case, is this the place you built your hope? Because if that's the place you build your hope, it can't carry you past the grave. God is here showing Elijah and all of Israel. Remember the big pictures to show everybody that He's got power to do something other gods can't do. You know, you know. By the way, this is just a little free note that's kind of cool. Right after Jesus preached about uh, Elijah in chapter four, you know, you know what he, what he went and did? Just a couple little little chapters later. He went to that widow that had a dead son. He raised him from the dead, too. Right. I know that's probably a coincidence, but to me, it's not right. There's no other God who has gone to the grave and conquered. it. I mean, even other world religions, they, they've got temples set up for like their gods. I, I, who wants to go visit a dead guy that's been in there for like a thousand years? Right. Not me. I want to talk to, to talk to the one living guy that's overcome death. Right. Elijah shows up she's starving rather than meeting her need immediately he asks for something I mean this whole thing's just weird right then after the whole deal is over She's learned a lesson to trust god. Things are looking good Then her son dies What if you could write down this way? What if god's got a bigger agenda to meet than her felt needs? See her felt need is not her greatest need and your felt need is not your greatest need Your greatest need has come to a relationship with, with Yahweh the Father, who wants to meet all your needs for eternity, not for the temporary, right? What if God? You can write this way. What if God's got a bigger agenda, a better agenda, to bring you to know the bigger and all-lasting uh, uh, purpose of everything, right? So glorious. But even if your son, and whether the son lives or the son, I say temporary resurrection, y'all know why? He gonna die again, right? College girl, right there. She just graduated, so she got it, right? He going to die again. You can go to Zarephath right now and that guy is not there. He did. Okay, he gone. He dies again. It's temporary. All miracles, at least for the most part, I can think of are earthly blessings, we should say. Earthly blessings are temporary. But knowing God and the resurrection power, that's eternal. God's got a bigger picture. Knowing God is even bigger than multiplying the oil for that period, right? Multiplying bread or raising the boy or not raising the boy, whatever. You go to Hebrews chapter 11 and you read it and Both groups died. Right? There's something bigger that has to go on. And here's kind of the last thing. God God saves through death. So God God can save over death and God saves through death. He don't go around it. He goes through it. Right? All this started because of an unexpected visitor. You ever got any unexpected visitors that come up in your life? I'm going to tell you right now, this morning, somebody's got an unexpected visitor and they don't even know it's a visitor knocking on the door. And it might not be a person. You know what I'm saying? Like that unexpected visitor comes in and here's what takes place and here is what happens. An unexpected visitor comes and unexpected provision happens. I love it when it's unexpected, right? Because you don't know know what's happening. What's the unexpected provision? That jar that she keeps going back to every day got, got just enough in it to make new cakes every single time. Right? It's provision. Then it comes to an unexpected opportunity. Right? Like, we need, we need this opportunity, she had an opportunity to do something she would have never, never wanted to do. She gets the unexpected increase. And then at the very end right here, this final scene, she gets unexpected outcome. I mean, this, this last scene is, it's mysterious, man. It's kind of weird. I mean, you got to picture this. Dude grabs her son, runs upstairs. Right? Which was most likely, just so you get a picture of this, which is most likely like a, a room on the roof that he could have probably even got to with a ladder on the side. That's just how they did, like, they're, they're staying. Stay in rooms, whatever you want to call it for visitors, right? So, so, so he's up there though. He, he, he prays. <laughs> and what does it say? He lays his body on top of this kid. What, what is he doing? I have no idea. I'm not telling you to go do that. I'm just telling you it's a weird scene. Okay. But it don't work. Right? Did y'all, y'all read the one little sentence, right? They had a little hidden thing there. He does this and the boy's still dead. Why? Cause what did the verse say? He had to do it not once, not twice, but but three times. I don't know about you, but if I'm laying on top of a dead kid and it don't work the first time, I don't know if I got the faith to do it the second time, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just being blunt. This guy, he does it again. Darn sure no, I ain't got enough faith if it don't happen the second time. Right? But he stays there and he does it again. What if God's called you to do it just one more time? And something big is about to happen. Right? But what if you stopped short? What if you stayed back at the brook when he was trying to trying to push you out? What if your provision for the next season of your life, you're not getting it because you haven't taken the next step to get there? I, I was reading a guy's article on, on this thing and he had, oh, Elijah didn't have to do nothing. What? He had to walk a hundred miles in the wrong direction. Could could you imagine like if he had GPS on the donkey? You know what I'm saying? Like if he had Waze or or whatever app you got and you had that voice, please turn around. You are in enemy territory. Please get the heck out of here so we both don't get beat up. Right? Please leave. You made the wrong turn. You made the wrong turn. Wrong turn. Turn around. How many many times did he have to hear those thoughts before he finally cut that thing off? I said, I got to keep taking the next step because the next step gets me one step closer to my provision. Some of you ain't getting provision because you hadn't taken the first step, right? And, and notice now, I got to go back to this little scene right here. This is an awesome little, little like hidden message God's got for us. This account begins with what? This question, is my son dying for my sins? And what's God say? No, but mine's going to, right? Right? Can you imagine God's smile when he realized like, she, she's getting closer, Right? She's asking the right question. You've got to ask the right question to get the right answer. Is he dying for my sins? And God's like, nah. Just wait a little bit longer. I got something working out. Right? Just wait a little bit longer. I got something big happening. Because my son, my son's going to die for all the sins of the world, right? The channel of God's blessing, unfortunately, is often through death or different areas of weakness. But it's a channel, guys. Are you experiencing I don't get it ain't got to be death. Are you experiencing any kind of death? Financial death, marriage death, right? There, there's all different phases of of death that we go through. You realize that to, to to get resurrection, you got to go to a cross verse, right? Can't get resurrected if you ain't been to the cross verse. You ain't got an opportunity to depend on God if you're not weak enough yet. You don't have an opportunity to hope if you ain't experienced pain yet. Paul says, "Rejoice in your weakness. When you experience the fellowship of His suffering, you can then walk in the power of His resurrection. No cross, no resurrection." Get back to what we had said a couple points ago. The recipient of a miracle becomes the distributor of a miracle. What has God blessed you and given you that you're supposed to be blessing and giving away? The recipient of a miracle becomes the distributor of a miracle. But again, you can't give what you ain't got. If you ain't got the miracle because you didn't take the steps, you can't give the miracle. Right. God says, I want you to make sure you understand Mount Carmel's next week. Right. I I told you it was going to be different. Like, like I really wanted to pause and maybe maybe go where y'all's brain was. And God said, how about let's just stay where my brain is. So we stay in Kings all the way through the end of the year. Right. You you want to study the birth of Christ, study it on your own. I, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just telling you, like, that's your job. This is where we came. Right. Because this is what God said. God said, we're going, we're going in 2020 this way. Because it's a good way to end it. Right. This woman has, has this particular particular kind of faith that might help some of you. Some of us think like other world religions promise, like like we get to see everything before we take the first step. This woman's got to take a step before she sees anything. And that's a true relationship with Christ. Like you've got to take a step before you can see the next step, right? Like like we talk about that light, but but here's the thing, that light's really high. So it's only showing like right there. It ain't ain't out there. It's it's down like that, right? So he's showing you the next step. And sometimes he don't show any steps. I was going to tell you all the more I studied on the Ravens. He talked about the Ravens going and plucking things, eyes out. I thought that was kind of graphic and gross, so I wasn't going to tell you about it, but I guess I am now since I'm there, right? And I was thinking, like, how cool is that? Did he use the raven because he tells us to walk by faith and not by sight? So he uses a bird that's going to take the eyesight away. There's all kind of hidden stuff there, man. It's good stuff, right? How many of us are in a place where we need to show the first step of faith so that we can see what God has for us? Elijah is learning to trust God for protection and for provision. If these characters today didn't take the next step, they wouldn't have got the provision they were promised. Some of you right now are wondering, like, when when's God going to show up and do it? When's that next thing that I've been waiting on going to happen? What if God is just using today as an example to say it'll happen when you take the next step? It'll happen when you when you do it the third time. It'll happen when, when you just begin to do something so crazy. You know how crazy it had to appear? Like, I can't get this, I can't get the scene out of my head. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a bad thing about being like a, a mental person, right? Mental case. Yes, I know, but, but, but like having, having, having the picture mentally in my head, like I just, how, how much, how much confidence did Elijah have to have to tell somebody gathering sticks to go get me something to eat and then get to the house and like, She's cooking the food. You can take this scene even further. She gets home. She's cooking the food. And the little boy is like having nap time on the mat. He wakes up. Ooh, mama, that cake sure do smell good, right? I can't wait to eat it. But that's good. This is Elijah's cake. Sit down. We get the second one. Which gives us another lesson. What God says? Give me the, the first fruits. The first fruits. But if we give God the first fruits. See, some of y'all are so scared that it, I, I, and I, and I gotta confess it to you. I get a little worried at the end of the year when all these needs go up. I want to meet them all, but at the same time, I know how people, people's minds are, right? So I get scared when, when the ladies are brave enough to put it, they're much braver to me. When they put it all on there, like, we need this, we need this, we need this, and we need that. And then we start calling people, we need this, we need this, and we got that, and we got this, right? I'm like, man, we can't overload, but, it, but if we would trust God and we take care of filling that bench with the stuff it's supposed to be full of, I promise you he would have the provision you need. I promise you and I, I can promise that not because of, of me that ain't a deal I'm making so don't come see me for the check right that's what his word says that's what his word says let's pray father God we love you so much God I thank you for this morning God God I, I thank you for the person that's in this room that's taken some steps and gotten to see your miracles and now they're a distributor of them your provision and now they're a distributor of of provision for other people but God I pray today super Lord for for the one that's in here that hadn't taken the step for the one that's got just a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal left and now all they need is the faith to take the next step God I thank you for your daily provision your daily meeting of our needs not our wants Lord God but our needs Lord, I pray that you move in such a special way today. God, God, you comfort. You shove, Lord God, if we don't need you be comfort. God, get your people to move in a way that we can experience, Lord God, your lasting power in our great lives. In your name we pray. Amen.